0: Welcome to the Hero Front Podcast, the 2022 Veteran Podcast of the Year winner. I'm your host, Josh White, and I talk with heroes around the world to inspire, educate, and to remind you that you are not alone. My own personal journey was marked by struggles like depression and alcoholism, which led me to almost lose my life. Now, after years of working on myself, I'm now blessed to say I have an abundance of pride and purpose, and I have made it my mission who share and spread these lessons by having insightful interviews with inspiring individuals, emphasizing trust, transparency, and meaningful conversation to drive positive action in our lives. Above all, I aim to inspire you to unleash your inner hero. We all have it in us, and it's time to bring it to the front lines of our lives. Let's get after it. Welcome to another captivating episode of the Hero Front Podcast. I'm your host, Josh White. And today we have the privilege of sitting down with a truly remarkable guest, Jess C. James, the driving force behind the Resilient and Rowdy podcast, a podcast that you need to subscribe to on Apple Podcasts or Spotify because she is a phenomenal host now in our conversation we explore a range of engaging topics from seizing opportunities and igniting passion to jess's journey within the world of podcasting we also delve into her commitment to sharing real life stories her vision for the future and the invaluable wisdom she imparts along the way it's a journey of resilience self-discovery and the incredible power of storytelling. And I want to express my heartfelt gratitude to Jess for joining us and sharing her extraordinary insights. I also want to thank her for letting me be a guest on her platform. So definitely look out for that episode because it was a great conversation. So without further ado, let's dive in and celebrate her incredible story on the Hero Front Podcast. Let's get after it. Definitely. Definitely. So I'm talking to Jess, is your middle initial really C?
1: Yes, uh, the C is for Catalina.
0: So you're Jesse James? Yes. That well, is the coolest name.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. So, But my, my real name is actually Jessica. And as much as I, like it, it's with a Y, I introduce myself as that. It's always been corrected to Jessica. So I just, I've gone by Jessica because, I mean, I immigrated to this country and I was like, why does everyone keep saying my name wrong? And you know, there's a J. And so I just I started going by Jessica, Jess, and yeah, it just stuck. So most people know me as Jess. And then yeah, Jessica right.
0: <laughs> No, I no, yeah, it's that language barrier where
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know it's pronounced Jessica, mm-hmm. but that's not a name here that we've ever heard, you know. So people are automatically thinking they're hearing Jessica. Right. Language is such a strange thing, you yeah. know, when you've been to other countries and you hear how they structure their sentences and i mean i i got to live in japan and i would speak i got i wanted to learn it and speak to the locals and i would speak to the locals in it and they couldn't grasp what i was saying because they were their ears were listening for english so when i would speak in japanese they wouldn't know what i'm it would take them a minute
1: oh wow okay that's really cool though and i I applaud you for the effort like japanese can be really difficult you know, somewhat difficult. Yeah. So good for you. But yeah. when you
0: live there, it, it, like I couldn't read or write it, but it was surprising. Like when you're surrounded by it, like you how quickly your brain, it's like a survival thing. I think where your brain is like, Oh, I need to learn this to survive in this new area. So mm-hmm. it, it latches on quick, quicker That's than you think.
1: Pretty cool. But then, yeah, when you come back to the States and you're not constantly surrounded by it, it's just like, Oh, where'd it go? Okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. So- no, you're exactly right. So Jesse James Coolest name ever and a cooler story behind it. Um, it. So as a podcaster, I know that a lot of folks don't listen to the very, very end. Let's say, you know, most do not listen to a full episode to the very end. And with that in mind, I was hoping because we're at the beginning of the conversation, you could tell me about the Resilient and Rowdy podcast just so we can shotgun that out and just so folks can immediately find it and start listening to it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. So Resilient Rowdy is uh, my own podcast that I decided to um, establish after kind of getting my foot in the door with another bigger podcast. Previously, I had a lot of fun with just the community, meeting other podcasters and just sharing stories because I kind of feel like sometimes I'm not the brightest and I make bad decisions. I don't make the best choices. And through other people's stories, through my own stories, I know that we can all learn from each other. And I think that in a good conversational setting, we can grow, we can laugh, we can learn. And like, especially in the military veteran community, but any background, like everybody's got a story. And I just want to be able to show that, highlight that, And with podcasts being so popular, like it's like a quick read. It's a quick book almost of that person. So by choosing certain people to come on or anyone really that catches my interest, I can highlight their strengths, their weaknesses, um, how they overcame things. So the resilient part is my struggles, my traumas, my endeavors. And the rowdy part is like life shenanigans, like being silly, being weird and just the ups and downs of life. So resilient and rowdy is just the experience of life itself, you know, and all that comes with it. Like, I don't want to hold back. I'm not going to cookie cut anything. And I just want people to learn. I want people to laugh. I want that community that I started to Be introduced to with podcasting. So it's been really fun just having all sorts of people come on, whether it be friends, entrepreneurs, survivors of trauma, military, civilian. Just if you pique my interest, if you've got a great story, like I'd love to have you on. And like I said, just like building that community and helping people through others' stories um, is like just what makes me so passionate about podcasting and my platform.
0: That's amazing. I'm so I'm so happy for you that you found that. Um and so if anyone is like, "Hey, I'm going to check this podcast out. Which particular episode would you think would be a, a good first episode to check out?"
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm not prepared for that. That's a that's a really good question. Oh my gosh. Cuz cuz like I said, it's like waves of it, but I mean, I guess the one on the top of my head is <laughs> it's a more entertaining episode, but it's like it's called Dating in Menver, and I did that episode with my friend Camille. It's when I was living in Denver, Colorado, and it's known as Menver because of the abundance of single men there. Oh, so God. That, that that's sounds more, awful. I know. <laughs> that's a more lighthearted episode, but it's really fun, and it's just like, you just feel like you're sitting there talking to us like at brunch. So That's one on the top of my head, but the next one would be with um, Keys, and she is a survivor of Childhood trauma, military sexual assault. And she is a strong mover shaker in the military veteran community. She is a survivor and she's out there thriving in her life. And she's a public speaker about a lot of those endeavors. And she does a lot in the nonprofit sphere. So those are the top two that I would think about um, you know, people checking out, whether it be just for entertainment or you want that inspiration. So I guess that would be like my top two.
0: Definitely. And I have her scheduled as well.
1: Oh my gosh. She is a delight. Like she's a force and she's making so much like waves. And like, uh, like I said, she's, she's very knowledgeable. She's got a lot of experience, like military law enforcement and personal experience. So it was just like, I, I talk to her every now and then. And she just like, she gets me hype. She like makes me believe in myself and she makes me just inspired to keep going because of her background as well. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a badass woman.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk to her. So she definitely hit me up and yeah, it's it's on there. So I'll let you know how it goes.
1: Yay, good.
0: So before we get into the topics that you propose, which I think were outstanding, I usually run people through random questions. Okay, sure. And I it's just something that I just love. I call it the hero's gauntlet and I uh, love doing it. So we'll start with three okay. easy and then three little more specific. So the three easy, first question would be, what is your go-to movie? You know, it's a rainy day, you're by yourself, and you want to rewatch something.
1: Mm.
0: What were you going to pick for that day?
1: Oh, that's that's a good one. Um, oh, my God, this is going to be weird. Uh, Donnie Darko. <laughs> oh,
0: dude, dude that's, <laughs> that's the movie that got me into movies
1: really yeah 100% like,
0: I, like movies were just a thing you know whatever entertainment like batman begins and you know just mm-hmm. fun stuff and yeah. then donnie darko got me it did stuck in my head and i couldn't right. get it out
1: it gets you thinking and it really makes you like just look more in depth into the movie and like the storyline and plot so yeah it's definitely a really i would consider it like a cult classic
0: 100% and like if you're And I saw it at a good point in my life where like, I was in a, I think I was a senior in high school. So I graduated in 2003. So it was, it was around that time. I want to say I saw it and it's kind of like a coming of age type of feel to it. Like that confused kid trying to find his place in the world.
1: Mm -hmm. It has
0: a lot. It has that vibe to it.
1: Exactly. And plus like the, the songs on that movie, like
0: I love me some eighties
1: music. Yeah. It's my jam. So.
0: Dude, that yes, I down. I have that. I listen to that soundtrack to this day, one hundred percent. Oh my god, that's such a a good pick that you have. Oh my god,
1: Thank we're best friends ever. already. <laughs> Sweet, let's do it.
0: Okay, so second question: This is a you know might just come to your head. You know, some, this one kind of catches people off guard sometimes. But what is a quote that you live by?
1: Oof. Okay, I read this. Um years ago. And it just, it stuck with me. And I feel like at this point in my life, like it really makes sense because now I'm very vocal, but the quote goes, I will speak a word of courage to a soul enslaved by fear. I cannot tell you where I read it. And I've Googled it multiple times, hundreds of times, and I can't find the source. Um, I think I read it maybe in middle school or early high school, but it it just stuck with me. Um how do you interpret I, that? I feel like and it's exactly what I do is I try to bring light to anyone's life that like crosses my path. Like um I can be very serious and very deep and profound, but I love being silly and you know making people laugh and you know just having good times with you know friends, acquaintances and strangers. And so as much as I carry some of my traumas and endeavors as burdens, I can relate to a lot of people when they're having like a bad day or a bad time or they're in a bad situation. um, And I can bring them a light of joy. Like I can make them laugh. I can make them forget about that pain for maybe even a few minutes or for the day or whatever. But I really pride myself in that, that um, I can show up as a friend or as a stranger in anyone's life and just kind of bring them a little bit of peace or humor or just a lighthearted joke or something. Um, And it's like inspiring people wherever I go. Um, And I'm really vocal about that now. I held a lot of my things and struggles um, to myself. And then I realized once I started talking about that and sharing it with people that they can relate in some way, shape or form, they can relate or they know someone who's struggled with that. And it makes the human experience of bonding that much more cherishable because no human experience is that uh, unique. And so we can all relate to each other. We, We can all have empathy and compassion towards each other. So that quote stuck by me that as much as I feel sadness on the inside, there's someone in my life who has brought me joy, has made me smile, has made me laugh when all I wanted to do was cry. So I just want to be that for others. So that's kind of a part of my why, my podcast, the community that I'm building. So no, that's like, I amazing. Said, like I said, I don't know where I read it, but it stuck with me. Right. I was like, oh, I love this. So It's weird
0: how certain words or quotes get stuck in your head. Even like when you first hear it, you might be like, oh, that's cool. But then like it never leaves you. You know, years later, it never leaves you. And I'll share one with you that I've, that has never loved. Tell me if you've ever heard this because it's a genius quote and I've ever only heard one person say it. And so the quote is a beat up ride is better than a dressed up walk. Hmm. Have you ever heard that?
1: I don't think I've heard that exactly, but I feel like I've heard things similar to it. Kind of like, um, you know, the the beat
0: up ride is like so the beat up ride is better than the dressed up walk. So it, to me, it's like you know, staying humble where yeah. you're at. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, you you could be the most arrogant, cocky person in the world, but the person with the beat up ride is still getting there before you. Yeah, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. or like, or y'all are cool- getting
1: to the same place but your right. the attitude that you carry about it is the difference. Right. And that can make a huge amount of a difference. Like you can be unapproachable, cold, or you can be personable, you know, approachable, right. humble. And I I really appreciate humility.
0: Yeah. So it's it's that. one of those quotes I've never heard again. My history teacher said it and I never forgot it. So I, I just want to that. share that one with you.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that.
0: Okay. So third random question if you were to die and come back as any animal, your spirit animal, your essence, what animal would you come back as?
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> cuz I think about this often. Um because the animal kingdom is like ruthless. If we thought humanity was sick, but I think I would come back as a bird. <laughs> I don't okay, know. Okay, there's a lot of birds. birds. You got know, no, you got to pick one. I think maybe like like a parrot or a cockatoo, just Something loud and annoying because I am really good at repeating um, voices and noises. And I'm surprised that I haven't been punched in the face for it. <laughs> kind of like if you've ever seen like a video of a little um, parakeet and it's like repeating noises from like the microwave or like a phone. I, I try to match pitch <laughs> so like especially in the army I would mimic people and I would have to run away because I knew I would get in trouble for it because of like repeating the same dictation and the depth and everything in the voice like um I was in choir for like 9 years so I really I'm not the best singer but I'm pretty good at it so like like I said I'd be something annoying and loud so I was like it's definitely a bird <laughs>
0: That's amazing. <laughs> yes. And I was that guy too, when I was a young airman, you know, mimicking our bosses. It started in basic training where I was mimicking the TIs oh, when, yeah. they, when oh, they weren't yeah. around. And then we have uh, an amnesty night, you know, before we leave, we get to confess all the things we did wrong. And they said, oh, you have to impersonate them. You know, you, they can't do nothing now. And and so I got to make fun of them to their face and, and per- impersonate them. And it was... <laughs> It, my life was never the same from that point on.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah, because they say that. We had that too. And then they were like, okay, drop. And then you get smoked. But right. <laughs> whatever. It was, a it was good time. Yeah, exactly.
0: No, I love that. Okay. So you passed the three easy ones. Now we're going to get a little bit deeper for the hero's gauntlet. Okay. Okay. What was a time in your life that your ego got in the way of your progress?
1: Oh oh, this is really good because I'm experiencing it in retrospect. Um, I was, I think, 19 or 20 and I got passed up for getting promoted to specialist. Um, and the person that I was, you know, right next to, we were like same time in grade, more or less somewhat the same experience. I had a little more in one section. She had a little more in another section. Um, but my attitude about it, because they asked I think they asked both of us before we both got promoted. I was like, Hey, would you follow them as a leader? And they asked her that as well. And I, I said, I honestly said, no, I was like, well, she doesn't know anything about the striker. You know, how can she lead if she doesn't know what she's talking about? And if anything um, her getting promoted above me should have just taught me like, it's about your attitude. You know, you can know everything, but it's how you carry yourself and what you do about it. So like I said, how I'm experiencing it now, I was just promoted over someone and you know they feel some type of way. And so like little younger me is kind of like wanting to tell that person like, hey, I've been in your shoes and know how you feel, but just trust the process. And you know you can still learn through me, even though you feel like you were entitled to or more deserving of that promotion, like it'll come. And I think, like I said, it just speaks about your character. So you can just take that L humbly and learn from the person that, you know, was promoted above you, or you can be butthurt and, you know, arrogant and like dismissive of that person.
0: Yes. I think we've all been there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On the, on the pursuit of what we think is happiness Mm -hmm. Uh, on our own pursuit of happiness. Yes. I've been there. And I will talk on that a little bit later with you uh, because I have a story I want to share with you as well. Um, Second question would be, where do you hope to see your life and the podcast in, let's say, 10 years from now?
1: Oh, wow. Um, So I really hope to see myself just, you know, married with a family, a couple dogs, just, you know, living that dream life that I really wish and I'm working towards having. I'm currently in the phase of like working on myself so I can show up better in, you know, in my family and my relationships and my friendships. So, um, I hope that the work that I'm putting in myself now is worth, worth it in the end. Cause you know, I'm okay, not dating. I'm okay. Just hustling and working hard to get there. Um, but really with resilient and rowdy, it's more of like, I want to keep building that community. Like I want to have like a support group. I want to have retreats. I want to have meetings of, you know, people doesn't have to be women, just anyone survivors, not survivors, just a community of people who want to collectively heal, get better, hold themselves accountable and meet like-minded people in that atmosphere. Cause I feel like whether it be, you know, spiritualism or religion, you know, there's a lot of extremes out there. And I just want like a good, happy medium of people who are um, working on themselves, but humble and willing to help like people along the way. So I'm slowly building that and I really just want it to be like, like a big support group, like the ones that you see on Facebook, like you can ask an anonymous question or you can, you know, it can be public, but there's people just flocking to the comments with support with, you know, Hey, I've been through that too. And this is, you know, some suggestions, this is some advice. Um, and even like just meeting up in person, just hanging out. Um, so I really want it to be like a whole collective, like
0: yeah. physical
1: group, not just online, but like in person. So that's what no, I really that's hope. Amazing. That's
0: amazing. And I got to invite you to my page. That's like that. I share it with others called air force wingman outreach, and it's got about 35,000 people in it. That's exactly awesome. what you're saying. You know uh, you can ask anonymous questions in there. Like uh, there's a lot of really tough questions that are asked in there that they'd had no other outlet, you know, right. it was literally, they only felt comfortable asking on the internet. And so I've I've seen it help tremendously and I will definitely invite you to it just so you can be a part of it as well.
1: Thank you. That's amazing. And yeah, that's exactly what I love. It's like I I, I had some good mentors um, in my life the, and along the way, but I didn't really get that sisterhood that I was wanting when I was in the army. So like I know I emphasize on it, but like I want everyone. it doesn't just have to be women, so that's awesome that you've built that, and that's exactly kind of what I'm looking for.
0: Definitely. And last question, yeah. before we hit your topics. If you could give, you know, when you first joined one piece of advice that would hopefully improve your career improve your life kind of give you that head start that you didn't have what would be that one piece of advice you would give yourself in the past
1: oof quit doubting yourself you can do it <laughs> i have i used to have so much doubt and like insecurities that i feel like it it held me back a lot and i you know i would like psych myself out basically and now like you know reaching up like almost being 30 years old i've realized how much i'm capable of doing and how much that mentality switch really is a game changer so i just wish that i could tell myself like hey like you are capable you can do it like you're just as worthy um and you know showing up with that attitude can really like make the difference. So it's it doesn't seem like much but like I said I've I've really made an effort on working through those mental and emotional things. So yeah, I just Definitely. I doubt so is mm-hmm.
0: doubt doubt is painful. It's crippling. It's Yeah. You know, it's it's a a prison that you put around yourself and sometimes you don't even know it's there.
1: Basically, yeah. So yeah. But, you know, you live and you learn. And now I hope to just spread that to other people so that they can show up better in their lives. Because, you know, like what I couldn't do or held back from doing like that could have been part of my journey, but I can do it now.
0: You can do it now. Look at you. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Um, okay. So here's the topics you picked. Mental health, wellness, setting ego aside and reality checks for growth, improvement, accountability in the military for MST. In recruiting numbers. And then lastly, helping one another in the veteran community. So before we start with the first topic of mental health wellness, I was hoping you could give us a brief background on just, you know, currently where you're at in life.
1: Ooh, so currently where I'm at in life is, I guess, just like, going on a deeper level of being honest with myself with healing, um, and being able to show up as my best self. So it's like, how do I hold myself back? What are things that I'm doing that aren't best for me? And like I said, like, aren't good for me and are keeping me from my goals. So it's just like a big wake up call. It's like, again, approaching 30, it feels like a milestone and, you know, almost being in therapy for like, 10 years has really been beneficial. So it, it helps me keep me in check, but really it's more of like, I'm doing this for me. And it's really helped me show up. Like I said, better in my relationships, better in my family, better in my friendships. So like, I'm like almost like addicted to that growth because now I know I'm capable of it. Like I I can't hold myself back now. So really it's like, okay, you know, did the army thing, did the school thing. What am I doing in my personal life? Like, what am I passionate about? Like, what are my hobbies? We, you know, what's my why? So just showing up as best as I can in my life, given the circumstances. You know, I don't have the same 24 hours as Beyonce, but I can sure as hell still try.
0: Right. Um, so you were, in, you were in the army, you no longer are, correct?
1: No, correct.
0: Could you tell us a little bit about how long you served uh, where you lived and what your career field was?
1: Uh, sure. So I was in the army for like three-ish years. Uh, I was active duty and I was a 74 Delta specialist. So, you know, C-burn. Um, but I also had the identifier of Lima six. So I did chemical recon, um, which was really fun. So it kept me from being bored in a cage. And we would basically just go go out and look for these like chemical biological agents. So it was really fun. I was one of the youngest and one of the few women. So it really put me in situations that I normally wouldn't have been. I learned a lot from a lot of former infantry, current infantry and special like operation groups. Um, and like, again, that doubt in my head, I was like, oh, I don't belong here. Like I'm the only woman, whatever. But really I just kept an ear out. I learn from the people that surrounded me. And, you know, they gave me that reassurance of like, Hey, like you're doing a great job. Like I haven't, you know, seen other women out here before, like good for you for, you know, keeping up and the team building, like the things that I learned from, you know, my own platoon was really cool. So I was at Fort Riley, I know like middle of nowhere USA, but I made the most of it. And, um, there's a lot of history within the first infantry division, which was really cool. So, like I said, I, I just took it for what it was and learned as much as I could from it and tried to be the best. And like I said, just made the most of it. So it really helped me. It really helped me build my confidence. It really showed me that I'm capable of anything that I put my mind to. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. Very grateful for the leaders that believed in me and gave me that chance.
0: Um, That's amazing. So what, what year did you separate?
1: Twenty
0: sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay. So it's yeah. Yeah. It's I been was a in, hot minute. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Twenty sixteen was a good year though. That was I I don't know why, but that was it, a fun year. Yes,
1: <laughs> it was, especially that summer. Like I got out before the summer and um or during summertime, and I was just like, this is nice. And so like, all I the music
0: was amazing too. Like Mclemore was. was like popping off. Like that was just I was in Arizona. Yeah. I was I was near Phoenix and oh man, me and my wife were just hiking everywhere and just having oh, a freaking blast. It. Phoenix so, is
1: awesome too. Yeah.
0: That was a, that. was a good year. Um, a and good so year. you got out in 2016. What career field are you in presently?
1: Um, I'm currently in retail. I'm contemplating going back to school. I went to school for criminal justice and psychology, and I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. Um, I got offered my dream job, but without city funding, that job didn't happen. So I was kind of like at a loss. I'm like, I have this degree. What do I do with it? Um,
0: What was the dream job?
1: So it's basically like, I'd be a probation officer, but they had a specialized court for veterans in the criminal justice system. So it'd be rehabilitating veterans in the justice system to make sure that they don't, um, you know, they're not repeat offenders, and that you can set them up with stable housing, jobs, etc. So like, that is absolutely like my passion. I love we'll always have a heart for military and veterans. And I want other veterans to succeed. Um, But without city funding, that is no longer a thing. You're just a regular probation officer, which is okay. Um, But I really loved that. So when that didn't happen, I was just like, what do I do with myself? And so this past year, that's exactly what I've been doing. I've just been working, saving money, trying to figure out where to go for grad school. But along the way, after getting out, And more so later on in my school uh, career, I started linking up with nonprofits through the podcast community and just realizing how many programs veterans have as a veteran myself that fall short for our veterans. So I would help out anywhere need be, whether it be marketing or raising money or or social media. Um, I just loved helping out and just feeling like, you know, there's a purpose to this. There's someone on the other end that this could change their life. Um, and, you know, I've, I've also felt like, oh, as a veteran, like I don't, I didn't do 10 years or I wasn't special forces. Like I'm just, just, you know, any other veteran, I'm not special. I don't deserve this help. There's other people that feel that way, even with 20 years in the service, multiple combat um, deployments, etc. So I just want to be able to show up for people who need the help, and tell them like, Hey, you deserve this. this is a one-time thing, you know, you're not abusing the system. You know, you're a disabled veteran. You need help. Like you need to put your ego aside and just, um, reach out to the people that, you know, can help you. And that's even like telling myself that, that, you know, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to struggle sometimes because when I was in active duty, um, it wasn't, really talked about to go to behavioral health. Sexual assault wasn't something that you were vocal about, let alone on social media. So I came from a very toxic timeframe to, okay, like the military perspective has progressed, but we can still make changes. We still have a lot of work to do. And so I've just been very vocal about whether it be mental health or financial help, just showing up and helping out our military and veteran community so that's like my big that's that's my hobby if that's a hobby but that's like my profession really is just helping out i love the nonprofit um community and what we can do when when we all pitch in um so that's that's what i love doing and you know jess you're
0: at like a point in your life where like you're you're really growing I, i can tell you have a really good heart um and you, you want to help i mean you really want to help like i can feel it like as you are explaining it to me um and you know I, I just hope you find that 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 spot where they can use you know all that heart that you got uh and and all your skill sets like i really hope you find that that dream job you know i i will be praying for you to find that dream job because i know the positive impact you know someone like you could have so <clears throat> i think it's beautiful like that you're kind of in this, you're, you're almost 30. So like, you're really focused on making yourself the best you can be. And, you know, I, I've been, I'm 38 now. So, you know, I've been there. I know how that feels. Um, and so I'm I'm proud of you for being in that and, and, and sticking to the course and, and staying positive.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cause like for a while, I didn't really want to be here. I didn't want to be alive. And now that I do, I'm like, I mean, I still struggle on the daily, but I'm going to show up as best as I can for myself and for others. So I just want other people to feel better and to feel inspired and to know that their current situation isn't their permanent situation. And I'm currently living that now, you know, it's just every step forward counts. And sometimes you lose hope and sometimes, you know, you feel alone. So this community means a lot to me, like as much as I'm beneficial to the community, the community helps me too it it gives me purpose you know to get out of bed to help out to pitch in in any way that i can so there's something definitely. that we can all do to help and and that's kind of just what i do to show up
0: that's amazing yeah well, you're definitely yeah. doing it so we'll start with your first topic and i don't usually have six questions at the beginning i usually have three i just felt I i i mix it up sometimes
1: yeah,
0: I like it. <laughs> I mix up especially if I don't if I'm just going in cold, I don't know the person.
1: Right. Like
0: these are ways I can really understand you by asking these random things. Mm-hmm. Um so, we're going to hit this first topic, mental health wellness. You know, you that was that was first on your list. Mm-hmm. So what what is your passion for mental health wellness? Did something happen that, you know, you went through that has made that a priority for yourself and so you try to make it a, a priority for others?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I was abused as a child and I was basically told to forgive my abuser because they're family. Um, and I kept that secret for a while and it wasn't until I was sexually assaulted in the army for me to like go to therapy to get help. Um, and I think it kind of made it worse. It made being sexually assaulted worse because I had experienced that as a child. So there's like layers to that. And for me to go to therapy with a platoon full of like infantrymen, as one of the few women, it did make me feel weak. It did make me feel some type of way. Um, But I had one mentor, my platoon sergeant, just tell me, hey, if this is what you need to do to get better, to show up, um, cause I can tell that you're not yourself. Then, then I'm all about it. You know, set up your appointment. We'll, we'll make sure that you get that time to go. Just make sure you get your work done and you know, it's no issue. And that response meant the world to me. Um, because like I took pride in being one of the few chicks in the striker and working on the striker, getting dirty, getting my hands like full of like, Fluids and grease, like that, was my baby. That was my world. And as soon as like I didn't have the spark, uh, that's how my platoon sergeant knew that something was wrong. And so like him stepping aside, him being supportive, him guiding me through that was amazing. And going to behavioral health in that time where going there was, you know, you were looked at as weak, pathetic, a um, liability. Um, was I mean hard but I learned to just tune that out because if anything it really it it helped a lot and I just wanted to encourage that to anyone else I knew how other people struggled and the ways that they coped and um you know excessively drinking isn't going to take that pain away it does but it doesn't and you know especially in the military, you know, drinking is a huge part of the culture, unfortunately. And, you know, you can, you can basically drink your career away. You can end up in an accident. So it's like, Hey man, I know you want to just have a couple drinks and black out, but you know, what's better is going, going to behavioral health, talking to someone. And if you don't want to go, then you just talk to someone. I think if you're willing to just set your pride aside and just tell your friend, Hey, I'm not doing okay. Like, can do you have an hour to chat? I think that is also beneficial too. And like having that being welcomed instead of like, Hey, you know, don't be a sissy. Don't, you know, like, don't talk about your feelings. Like we don't do that. We're men, like put all of those remarks aside and help your buddy out because, you know, suicide rates are skyrocketing. Like, people are struggling, retention rates are are really bad. So it's like, you can keep good people if you take care of them. And what does that mean? It means, you know, going to the gym, it means giving your body the nutrients that you need, drinking water, going to behavioral health if you need to, like mind, body, soul is crucial. So that's why I'm a big advocate for mental health and wellness. Like therapy can really help you. Medication can really help you. Um, but some things that work for some people don't work for others. And I I also keep that in the same conversation. So just be willing to try. Um it it doesn't have to feel like this like super long marathon, but it's definitely not a sprint, but it's just it's worth it. You are worth putting in the work and the effort because, like, you know, nine years later after being assaulted, I'm like, wow, I'm still here and I'm happy to be here and I don't carry my burdens like that anymore. Like, it's truly such a blessing and I would love for other people to feel as good as I feel. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I'm, first of all, I'm so terribly sorry that all of that shit happened to you. That's just awful. Um, and you know, I've been in 18 years now and I I, I'll never forget like the first time that I became aware of that, that that was an issue was right at my first base. Um, i got I finally talked to one of my best friends, female in tech school. We were both at our first base. I was in Guam, so it was hard to get on the same time to talk. but we finally did make the the time we finally talked, and I found out that she was separating because she was assaulted, and this was like the brightest, smartest girl that I've ever met in the Air Force at this point until like see her like going through that turmoil and, and, and then we lost that person. She's separating. And, and I just didn't even think that was like a real thing that could happen to to someone I knew. And that was at my first base. And it just absolutely like ripped my heart out, you know, hearing that story and just feeling helpless as a friend. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I got to kind of help as best I could when I was in base honor guard they would say, Hey, this happened to this person. We're trying to get them apart. Can you take them on? You know, you can stick them in the anywhere you want just, and I, and I, I cared and I wanted to get them out of that environment. So that was kind of my way of trying to, to give back as best I could in a situation that, you know, we all feel helpless in. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm super proud of you for what I call having, finding the courage to say it out loud. I think, I don't think we give words enough credit um for searching in our soul, in our mind, in our heart on how to articulate what happened to us. There's certain traumas that I went through where I couldn't even find the words to speak it right um you know, without having a meltdown beforehand, and so there's so much strength, I think, in finding the words and finding the courage to say it out loud just to, to start owning the story and that lessens the shame
1: mm-hmm. 100 you know, percent.
0: the more you we hide it and the more we feel like we need to not talk about it and avoid it the the bigger the shame and it's kind of this perpetual cycle that we get stuck in
1: oh yeah it like deeply festers into you and like i realized in in some ways how like my childhood trauma really affected me um throughout high school, through, like in friendships and relationships. And as much as I wanted to get help during that time, it was like a, it was like a big family secret. And like, that just wasn't an option. And if I did get help, my mom had to be in the same room and, you know, you don't really feel comfortable, like expressing your full truth because like, you also don't want your mom to start crying about what happened to you. So mm. it it really, uh, it really messed me up. And I I wish that I could have shown up better to the people that were in my life but I was just deeply hurting so that's why I say like you know some people might be suffering in silence and coping with it in different ways with um, you know driving fast reckless behavior drinking a lot and it doesn't have to be that way so there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you almost like you fall in love with it and you just want everyone else to like reach that light. Cause it's, it's possible. And that's just, like I said, that's just where I am in life. I, I want other people to see that light, to feel inspired, to, to get help because they don't have to live that way all of their lives. It's something that you do carry with you, especially like getting older as a woman and like, you know, seeing your friends like um, get married and get pregnant and have babies. It's like, and then you want to stop that from happening. So it's like, if you've got, that creepy uncle in the family, just, you know, you got to cut them out. You don't want it happening to the next generation and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So we can really put a stop to these things, to these issues if, you know, we're made aware of it and we have solutions for it and we have people who are advocating for it. So while, you know, we say not all men, you know, we are aware that it could be anybody, man, woman, whomever, they could be wearing the same uniform as you. They could not be wearing the same uniform as you just protect your people, protect your own, be vigilant. You know, it it is like, it's kind of like underneath your nose. You don't suspect any one of your friends doing it or anyone that, you know, doing those things, but when you hold them accountable, it really betters the community. Everyone feels safe. Everyone feels comfortable. Retention can go up if survivors feel like they're heard, um, and it just makes for like, I don't know, a better community, like I said, you know. Um mm-hmm. it's I, making I that there's... it's
0: setting the bar, you know, where it should be. It's it's transparent about where everyone stands, you know, exactly. regarding people's people's safety, you know, when it's up when it's a guessing game.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Then yeah,
0: you're right. People aren't gonna stick around because why would they put themselves at risk for no reason?
1: Yeah. And so especially it like being within your own, like wearing the same uniform as your offender, you're just kind of like, oh, wow, like who else can I not trust? And, you know, that type of feeling in your own ranks isn't going to build a strong army, strong Marine Corps, strong Air Force, Space Force. So um, those changes can definitely be implemented within whatever community, so military, civilian, but. That's why it's like these changes um, aren't impossible. It just takes those uncomfortable conversations that a lot of people aren't willing to have. But the, the benefits from that, from going to therapy, from holding people accountable are like incredibly like positive. So that's why I just I suggest it. I know it's hard, but it's possible.
0: Absolutely. Can I hold on one second? I appreciate it. Yeah, she's she's my little mini me. So thank you for sharing all that and, and being that that voice. Uh that that you know, you're using your own healing in your own in your own journey to help other people know they're not alone and to inspire them to be that spark of change to show up for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so one thing I definitely want to hit on is you know, I've had trauma in my past and it led to me having a crippling drinking problem, not for like the physical addiction. I luckily never had that like, Oh, I have the shakes, you know, that, that never happened. But psychologically, I'd say I I pretty much abused drinking for about 10 years. So pretty long time. Uh, and I haven't drank now for around four years and that's a story in and of itself, obviously, but looking back, you know, I can see that the drinking was basically putting me on pause with my growth and self-development. I, I was, by the time I stopped drinking, I realized why I drank in the first place. (laughs) That's when all the anxiety came in and, and, Oh, Oh, this is, this is why I was doing that. Um, And so I, I realized like, man, I, I haven't grown at all. I haven't gotten out of my comfort zone. I haven't done anything because every time I would rely on getting hammered to, you know, feel a certain way, I was putting myself on pause. And so, you know, did you go through that? And, and if so, like, how did you get past that? Cause that was like one of the hardest things in my life to get past.
1: Well, first and foremost, I'm really proud of your sobriety. That's amazing. Like that's awesome. And it Thank it you. is, it's like life changing. Um, I think for me was around the same time that I was separating from the army, I was also getting a divorce. So I felt like a lot of big changes, you know, loss of identity, loss of my loved one, um, not knowing whether, you know, I'm giving up on it or should we try again? I, yeah, I binged in drinking and I was just going out a lot. It was before I started school um, that fall. And I, I came home one day and just like, so I have a service dog and he just kind of looked at me and he was just kind of like, you haven't been at home. Like you haven't been taking me out. Like you've been neglecting yourself. Like he like really like reads into my soul. And I like, we had a moment and it was, it was almost like he was telling me like, what are you doing with yourself? And I had that self-reflection. I was like, I basically just drank away two months that I could have been using to prepare for school you know, personal development, anything. And I was just going out drinking and like, you know, hooking up and just again, reckless behavior. And I just saw that it wasn't doing me any good. I'm like, this benefits no one, like my wallet, my heart, my soul, my liver. And I just didn't want to continue it. Like I was about to go into like a very popular college town, very popular party town. And I'm like, I can't continue this because I can't blow away my future. I can't blow away the GI bill. I can't, I have just, I have too much to lose. And there's people that care about me. And I think that was where I was like, I really need to understand and implement balance and balance can be so hard for me cuz i i kind of work in extremes like if i'm really interested in a topic i will be on reddit i'll be on wikipedia i'll be reading like i'll be on time magazine like reading just like in depth and just like until like i'm obsessed with it and i noticed that with my drinking habits was like i have phases of drinking i got really into um you know those like slurry like girly drinks and then i had a whiskey phase and then i had an ipa phase and i just looked back and i was like i can never just limit myself to two drinks i'm like that's not good and that's not healthy um and even then like people that get out of the service they start getting into cbd and marijuana i'm like i struggled with that too uh when i was living in colorado i was just like man like i really need to get it together like i'm just I'm not drinking to enjoy it. I'm drinking to escape. And that was like my like wake up call. And that's what I've been working on this past year is just limit control and mostly sobriety really. Like I'll have one drink and that's if I want it. And it's been very far and few in between, but bettering that relationship with alcohol has obviously changed my life, whether that be completely sober or able to enjoy one drink without, you know, spiraling out of control and like double fisting or, you know, having too many drinks within the hour. So like I said, just that balance is just huge for me. And I always keep that in the back of my mind, especially the phrase like, am I enjoying or am I escaping? That really Mm. helps me understand what mentality I'm in because those issues, those feelings are still going to be there in the morning, especially with a hangover. So like, it it does me no good. So right. after that, I was just like, you know what, like, I really need to work on myself, like, I am going to be a consistent, elaborate effort. And if that means, you know, cutting back on alcohol or being, you know, stone cold sober, that's what I need to do, because I'm tired of holding myself back. I've seen how therapy was really good for me. Let's see how, how much sobriety helps. And it really does. So even if you don't want to go completely sober, the balance is huge. Um, And I'm really glad that I had that moment because otherwise I'd still be reckless, you know, drinking, wasting away and not being my best self. So you almost get tired of your own excuses.
0: Yeah. and, And you'll lose respect for yourself too. When you say, Hey, I'm never doing that again. But then, you know, on the next weekend, you're right back at it. And and at that point you're like, well, I can't even believe myself. So why, why would anyone else believe me?
1: <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a tough spot
0: to be in that, you know, when you start losing respect for yourself, I remember I hated, I hated my, my own last name because I was always getting in trouble and, and acting up. And so every time I heard Airman White, I ended up loathing my own name. Wow. Yeah, it was it was absolutely brutal. Um, And so, you know, when you did start limiting it, you know, was it easier said than done? Or were there certain obstacles that kicked in where you're like, Oh, crap, this is why I was drinking, you know, this is what I was trying to escape.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'd, I'd slip up, I'd have like three IPAs in an hour after going a whole month sober, and I would basically like puke up all of my dinner and I just, I would feel like a hot mess. And I'm like, I knew better. I know better. Why am I doing this? So it's giving myself the forgiveness. It's giving myself the grace and using those slip-ups as again, as a learning experience, like that's all I can be. I can't beat myself up continuous because that, that does no good either. Um, So along the way, it's just been a lot of, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of grace, and just um, not letting it hold me back. Like, yes, I messed up that one night. Um, you know, because I was really excited. I saw I was seeing an old friend and we were catching up. So it was just so easy to socially drink. And I think what also helps is also telling people, like, hey, I'm only gonna have one drink tonight. Um, and having supportive friends, like people that don't call you a, a sissy or or names or judge you, like, like, okay, yeah, cool, you know, you can and I don't feel any type of way. Like if they want to keep drinking, like I've, I know that relationship that I have with alcohol and I can't compare it to theirs. And also like, um, you know, your, uh, like, you know, your limits. So I know my Mm. limit, especially now with sobriety is like, I can really only do one or two.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, what's amazing about, you know, finding the balance or not drinking at all, whichever one of those two, if you're not the one blackout drunk and you're out with friends, you'll see the people trying to escape. Mm. You'll notice it. Yeah. You know, when, when, you know, when like, when they've already had too many, everyone knows they had, and and you see that, that internal struggle in their mind. And actually, yeah, I will have another double, you know, and you know, you, you can pick up on it when you're the one that's not like blasted.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's difficult because like whatever, you know, military civilian, alcohol is a very popularized drug it, it it it's a drug and it's just crazy how how common it is it's like it's a staple like it's you know it's like america's pastime like beer and hot dogs like it's just so nonchalant but the effects of it are so drastic so um it like i said it it really helps having those supportive friends or even those little tips and tricks that you learn along the way so that people don't give you a hard time for being sober it's like ordering a sprite but in the same type of glass so that people aren't like you know making comments or drinking sparkling water or flavored water to help you throughout you know you have the craving for like something sweet or the bubbly um and uh yeah it's been a humbling experience but it's been incredibly beneficial like it it also has helped my mental health a lot more and emotional health like you know you might have a couple drinks and then you just get emotional you start crying you just, again you just feel like a hot mess and you're just <laughs> like it's the, the cliche drunk girl in the bathroom and then your friends like trying to hype you up and you're like i, I like like you said earlier you just don't want to keep doing it yeah um but you'll you have you'll have your slip ups your mistakes and It's just don't be too hard on yourself when that does happen. But um, I do a lot of journaling. So I try to do some reflecting on that too. Um, Even just like verbally the next day, I'm like, hey, you know what? Like I was feeling good after two. Why did I want a third, you know? Um, And for the most part, sometimes it's just not partaking in, in atmospheres where drinking is like super encouraged. But now it's like I really... I'm proud of my self control. Like, that's like the biggest thing now for me because that was such a basically that was the issue, self control. And now I'm like, hey, I can be at a party. I'll be drinking my Sprite. I'll be, I'll even have a Capri Sun because I don't care. <laughs> I'm there for a good time and that doesn't require being wasted. And I know like some people are like, will always have their opinions, but their opinions, mean nothing when you're at rock bottom like it's just you and yourself the cold floor the toilet and you know what like how many times do you want to see yourself there and I'm like Mm. I don't I don't want to be familiar with the cold bathroom floor I don't know about you um so it's just wanting better for yourself and like I said being really proud of that self-control has been huge for me so whatever that may be like whatever vice it is whether it's like doom scrolling on social media alcohol mm. you know weed whatever just a very healthy balance of that is crucial
0: wow well, that is a, a amazing insight that you shared thank you so much for that and as someone who's been through it you know i really appreciate you running us through that journey uh because it, it you you got to show up for yourself again you know you get those outside opinions you get the people trying to coax you into getting on their level but i mean at the end of the day you have to stand up for yourself and and what you know is right for you and what your limits are and what you want your life to look like right cuz mm-hmm. at the end of the day that them talking you into it isn't going to help you in any way so yes mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that um and wow you're really easy to talk to cuz it's already been like over an hour and it doesn't even feel like it
1: yeah, I'm really enjoying this. So thank you so much for just having me on and like yeah, just like you said, it's really easy to just talk with you. So yeah.
0: Absolutely, Jess. So since we're we're hitting that hour, I'm about to go lay down with my kiddo here. Um her name's Summer Rose. She's uh my little my little clone, my little angel. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm about to go lay down with her uh for a little bit. But before we do, I told you that not all people listen to the very end, but Right. If someone if someone is still listening to the very end and we want to gift them any parting words that that you may have what would that be for those audience members still listening in
1: Oh my gosh I feel like I need like a Nelson Mandela like quote but but really I'll just keep it short and sweet and simple is you're not alone and if you feel like you are like I'm a DM away like I'm here for you I love you guys, like this community has been great and um, I love giving back and yeah, just don't don't suffer in silence. You know, um, I've had a lot of friends, you know, pass away through suicide and I'm really passionate about, you know, beating that, preventing that. So if you're ever struggling, if you feel alone, if you need any type of guidance, um, if you want to be directed in the right way, um, you know, I'm, like I said, a DM away and I would love to help you through that and uh, or at least guide you to get you the right resources. So I'm on Instagram, I got a podcast. Uh, If you want someone to send memes to and just forget about whatever your troubles are, like I'm your girl. So um, like I said, thank you, Josh, for listening. And yeah, if you're listening to this, like I'm here for you.
0: Wow, Jess, so just a few things on you. Um, I I just find you incredibly inspiring, incredibly brave to, to go through the things that you went through and to grow the way you have and, and to share your story the way that you are, I'm just incredibly proud and thankful that we have someone like you in our corner. And I know that your podcast, the people that you share your story with, 100% is going to impact so many people out there who need to hear your message and your story. So, from the bottom of my heart, you know, I wanted to tell you thank you for coming on here and just sharing everything on your heart soul and mind in the hopes that you know it helps someone out there so thank you so much Jess
1: thank you for having me Josh
0: all right everybody that was the hero's journey of Jesse James